Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Welcome, everybody, to uh, a podcast that Tom Greco and I have been talking about for a a while now. It it started to coalesce, I'd say, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, The working title, In Two Basements, I have to give all credit to Tom Greco for that. Uh, This will start out being sort of uh, an addition to stories from the center of the universe, and then we'll break it out separately uh, Tom Greco is a great storyteller. He's a good debater. He's not a master. Um, he is, uh, he's got a great sense of humor. Uh, he's got some wisdom mixed in there and, uh, looking forward to talking to Tom about various topics. Uh, Tom also is an Italian American. And so because of that, uh, we're going to see where this goes, but tonight we're talking about an Italian. We are. That's but, absolutely Tom, right. tell, tell us more about what we're talking about tonight. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you from the center of the universe for sponsoring this this podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so tonight, Paul, I thought it would be good for listeners, especially listeners that are our age. So if you're listening to this podcast tonight and you are in your mid-40s, if you are in your early 40s or older, uh, you can appreciate uh, where we're coming from with regard to this podcast because a movie has just come out and the movie's called air and it's all a lot of my friends are talking about because the movie kicks off what would, would become to me is the golden era of the NBA with Michael Jeffrey Jordan leading the charge in 1984. So I, I thought I'd love to talk about that tonight. And here's the intriguing part. And I hope our listeners get a chance to, to do some research on their own, but the movie is not where the story of Sonny Vaccaro ends. It's actually just the beginning. So I'd love to explore that tonight. Cool. Yeah. So for folks out there who um, haven't seen or don't know about the movie, um, Air is a movie starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Chris Tucker. Uh, The movie has been uh, written by Alex uh, Convery, directed by Ben Affleck, and produced notably, there's a list, but notably by Ben Affleck and John Weinbach. And that becomes important later. But it's the story of one man's vision, Sonny Vaccaro. Sonny Vaccaro grew up on the East Coast of the United States and had started a basketball camp called the Dapper Dan Basketball Tournament. Sorry, not a basketball camp, a tournament. And in that tournament, he promoted it and networked and pushed and cajoled and within about a decade, the Dapper Dan basketball tournament was one of the finest high school basketball tournaments in the nation. And that leads Sonny Vaccaro to eventually take on a position with Nike. And the movie air picks up with Sonny's position at Nike and Nike basketball in its infancy, in its early stages, competing against two Goliaths, you know, Converse and Adidas. At that time, Nike is considered a running shoe uh, and only a running shoe, Right. And it's located way out there in Oregon, uh, kind of forgotten about, not on the, the top of everyone's lips, because the man, Air Jordan, had not yet arrived to make Nike famous. And so this movie has a ton of nostalgic, I think as the kids would say, feelings for me, or had me in my feelings, I think is the, the statement, 
Paul, you can correct me on that, but I think that's what the kids say. I have no idea. Dude. <laughs> right. I'm asking, I'm asking the wrong one, right? So, yeah. so, but but here's here's why this movie was so nostalgic for me. Michael Jordan entered the, the league when I was in third or fourth grade. And watching him in the middle 80s go up against, or the late 80s, go up against the Detroit Pistons, that was like watching a hockey game with a basketball. That was like watching one man take on this gauntlet of pain that he was willing to endure over and over again. And I immediately began to see Michael Jordan as a winner. So, number one, this movie touched that that feeling. But the second thing is that the movie in an indirect way, in my opinion, touches on a characteristic that a lot of people in our society don't talk about enough these days. And that is perseverance. Mm. So this guy, Sonny Vaccaro is not, he's not a super physically talented human being. He was an athlete growing up, but he wasn't particularly good at basketball. He wasn't, you know, the next rocket scientist. He wasn't a great analyst that was going to, you know, tell you what, you know, you should buy in the stock market next. He wasn't an engineer. He wasn't helping people get, you know, the next mission to Mars done. What Sonny Vaccaro had was a talent for identifying winners in the game of basketball. And he had the ability to persevere and to find ways to create incentive for people to endorse whatever product he was advocating for. And I think that story is so compelling because today tenacity, perseverance, persistence, you know, we've become a very polite society, right? For, you know, for, for good or for bad, we, we don't think of people tapping people on the shoulder today as a good thing, especially if they have something to sell. But in Sonny Vaccaro's case, because he was authentic about it, because he believed in what Michael Jordan could be, it kind of made it okay that he was so persistent. So that's what the movie is about. Um, for, for those of you that haven't seen the movie, no spoiler alerts here. Um, the movie is somewhat historical in that there's a lot of truth to it. It is true that Nike did not have a foothold in basketball that was really significant. It's true that they spent all of their budget in 1984 on one rookie, one guy, Michael Jordan. It's true that they signed him. That's Those are historical facts. No spoilers there, folks. In case you've been under a rock for the past 30 years, Michael Jordan and Nike have been synonymous since 1984. So the, 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 the real, the real piece of the movie is, but how did they get there? What led them from nothing to signing what would become one of the most iconoclastic athletes ever to grace American sport in Michael Jordan. And they did. So um, a couple of things about the film that I, that I loved. First of all, Matt Damon is pretty amazing. He does a good job. Like, I, I, I don't know if he was the absolute right guy to play Sonny Vaccaro. For those of you who have seen Sonny Vaccaro on the Rich Eisen show on Colin, Colin Cowherd, uh, Sonny Vaccaro is, is a smaller of stature. Um, he, he has a real slight build. He has kind of a higher pitch voice. And so, you know, you don't think of him or hear him talk and then go, oh, yeah, Matt Damon, I see it. But what were you going to say, Paul? Well, give, me, give me the guy that played Jason Bourne. Yeah, yeah. You don't immediately – yeah, that's exactly right. You don't you don't immediately see him and go, oh, yeah, absolutely. I see I see Jason Bourne and, you know, the guy who was just in the wall 
you know, playing a warrior as Sonny Vaccaro. But I got to give credit to, to Matt Damon. He pulled off the authenticity. He pulled off the persistence. He pulled off the, I believe in my product. And I think my product, and in this case, speaking to the Jordans and your son are a great marriage. And I think they should get together. So I love the music in the film. I think they were definitely trying to push it in there a little too much at times. <laughs> they were like, they had an 80s playlist and they were, they were trying to jam it in. I love the costumes. So when you watch the movie, take a minute to appreciate the costumes and the set design. For those of you that are my age, that remember going into an office building anytime in the 80s, 90s, early 00s, you remember dark colors, browns, wood tones, gray carpet on cubicle walls, little offices that were somewhat cave-like. People back then thought about just optimizing on the economics of an office to get as many people in there as possible to do their job. They weren't thinking about flow and all the stuff we think about today. They captured that beautifully. The costumes themselves, what Damon wears, quintessential 80s. The way Ben Affleck is wearing the Phil Knight gear in the, in the strawberry red or, or, or cranberry red, rather, you know, uh, jumpsuit. I mean, I'm not ruining it for you, folks. Take a minute to appreciate it. We did wear that stuff in the 80s. That was considered. Didn't think twice about it. Right. That was normal, folks. That was exactly how it looked, right? And and was considered, you know, awesome. So um, things about the film that, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I think they had to make a movie, but some, some areas where I think the film may have uh, pushed, pushed it a little bit to create some moments. So I think David Falk, who plays Michael, was Michael Jordan's agent, and is you know the, uh, the 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 subject of a lot of banter in the film. He has an amazing rant in the film at Matt Damon. And I got to be honest with you, I'm I'm a rant guy. I don't know if you're are, are you a rant guy, Paul? Do you like a good rant now and then? I I like listening to a good rant sometimes. I, I'm not a personal ranter. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think personally, I'm known to rant, but I like to make that rant funny. This rant was hilarious in his reaction to. Sonny talking to the Jordans directly. Um, I think the conversation with Nike was a lot more constructive than that. I think that David Falk knew that if he was big fish with Michael Jordan, little pond Nike, they could potentially construct a deal where Michael's play would drive a lot of revenue. And that revenue would, you know, become something that would give the Jordans, you know, generational wealth for years to come. I mean, look, Jordan is is not a dumb guy, uh, but he was in his uh, early 20s back when all this went down. His right. mom, uh, folklore from before this movie or any documentaries about it, was a very wise woman uh, who cared deeply about her son, and she knew how to navigate a lot of this stuff. Uh, by the way, played by Viola Davis. Uh, Fantastic job, by the way, in the film. She did a great job in the Nailed film. Nailed it, yeah. Uh, and I, I think Sonny played a big part in how it played out, obviously. But I think the the uh, the agent, to your point, knew exactly what this could become, and the upside was so, so, so high. Like, why wouldn't we? Right. I mean, at that point, no athlete. And this is important, and this, this is going to go back to why I say that this film is so nostalgic. Um, so, so no athlete up until that point had gotten an endorsement deal where there would be lifetime, generational, passive income 
that would say, hey, look, if you sell something with my name on it, I get a percentage of that because I'm the reason you're selling this product. You know, so when we saw those commercials in the 80s where Larry Bird and, you know, Bernard King and Magic Johnson are pushing Converse, right? And Larry Bird does the whole, you know, and you're, y'all already know what it did for me. I won the MVP, right? Like that, that Converse commercial, they weren't getting a piece of Converse. They had gotten paid a flat fee and they got to be in the commercial and they were paid a fee for that. But every time someone bought a Converse that was black and white, like the Celtics wore, Larry Bird was not getting paid. Magic Johnson, when they someone bought a gold and white and purple Converse, Magic Johnson not getting paid. Michael Jordan comes along and says, actually, I want to get paid and, and I want there to be a line dedicated to me. So before we go on about Sonny, I, I wanted to share this and I, I'm wondering if other people have this kind of nostalgia. So 1991, I moved from Long Island, New York to Richmond, Virginia, to say the least, culture shock. Central Virginia, 1991, not a lot of dudes rolling around with a New York accent named Greco, in case you're wondering. Uh, there were zero Italian-Americans before your family <laughs> came down here. Uh, the average person was six inches taller than you. Same word for it. Uh, basketball, well, to, to a point you made to me the other day, basketball was not a thing where you grew up, but it was right. kind of kind of a thing here. That, that's exactly right. So growing up, we played a lot of soccer. We played a lot of football. We played a lot of lacrosse and we played a ton of street hockey. I moved down from New York to Richmond with street hockey sticks, not even ice hockey sticks, but plastic cut, heavy, thick, you know, hockey sticks made for playing on pavement. And, you know, we used to take bubble, uh, bubble tape to put rocks and heavy stuff inside the bubble tape tape it up with with duct tape and then put all kinds of grease on it and that would become the puck and that's how you played you know street hockey fast forward to 1991 all anybody is playing in richmond virginia is basketball i want to fit in so i start playing basketball of course you know i had a problem in that you know i'm five foot six now and back then i think i may have been five three so i wasn't exactly the person everybody picked to be on their team but I got better at it, and I enjoyed it a lot. If that guy had grown up in Italy, he could have played on the Italian basketball team in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, and, and I still wouldn't pick him for my pickup game. Right, exactly, and, and and he still could not hit anything, as Paul would say, from the elbow. So nice. So with so, but I got into it, and that very same year, the basketball playoffs with Jordan were incredibly compelling that was the year the first year that the bulls beat detroit in the eastern conference semifinals you could tell that it was a tough series detroit walks off the court they don't shake hands with the bulls i remember if i think it was marv albert or, or bob costas one of the two because back then it was dun, 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 and it was you know the nba on nbc right and i remember the stark lettering in the bottom right hand corner of the screen and i remember hearing Jordan for three. Yes. And then, you know, you would hear at the end of it, the, 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 the Pistons are walking off now, not shaking hands with the Bulls. There is no love lost here. 
between the Bulls and the Pistons. And it was because of this three or four year rivalry between the two teams. So here comes the Bulls up against the Showtime Lakers. Now, look, I am an East Coast person. So the idea that the Bulls were coming from what back then I associated Chicago with a blue, blue collar town. They just eliminated, you know, my beloved Knicks. They eliminated Detroit. They had laid waste to everybody in one way, shape, or form. Um, I don't know if they played the Knicks, to be clear, but the point was they were the much better team in the regular season. Here they come, and after the first game against Los Angeles, I just watched Michael Jordan take over a series, and it wasn't even a game. It was like he just elevated, and I remember being riveted right after that. We 1992, Jordan plays the Trailblazers and goes right into the Dream Team right after that. So in that time period, I was hooked on basketball, and that's one of the reasons why this film was so iconic uh, to, to, to me. Um, all that being said, you should go watch the movie, and they're not a sponsor yet, but I hope they become a sponsor. Amazon Prime, thank you for making nice. the movie available for us to watch in our homes. So I sat down, I watched the film. And here's what this film did for me. I immediately wanted to get up and watch two things. One, I watched The Last Dance again for the third time, all the way through, all 10 episodes. And the second thing I did was I, I, I went and found in the annals of my ESPN Plus, ESPN not a sponsor, but hopefully they will be one day, ESPN Plus um, subscription, and I found the documentary called Soul Man. And... I, I watched it again, but I watched it again with kind of a renewed fervor. And here's what stood out to me. Number one, in the film, Sonny goes and visits his best friend, George Ravelin. Amazing call out. Later over the years, George Ravelin will get into a public dispute with Sonny about the fact that there's unfettered access to young athletes at these middle school and younger kid camps that Nike is sponsoring and that it's not healthy. Then George Ravelin takes a job doing exactly what Sonny Vaccaro did for Nike. Amazing. Second big thing is, is that apparently at some point, and I have speculation about this, at some point it was decided that Sonny just wasn't doing a great job at Nike and they decided to part ways with him. Also not mentioned at the end of the film. And in the documentary Soul Man, I, I didn't walk away with a very clear Sonny was fired from Nike for this reason. I have no data. I have no inside access. I have nothing to report on that. What I do believe, though, is that it got to a point where Nike may, may have been like, you know what? All of these athletes have this relationship with Sonny. Sonny has his, you know, his pipeline of athletes that are kind of on the come up. And we need to diversify it. Otherwise, Sonny is a big risk, right? We see this in business all the time. When one salesperson, relationship person, the company's too dependent upon that one person, they, they're like, look, we got to diversify. So what does Sonny Vaccaro do? Well, here's what he does. And this is what I think was amazing. He leaves. And the same person that you see in the film designed the very first Air Jordan shoe, his name is Peter, becomes... CEO of Adidas. <laughs> and he and Sonny go out and what do they do? Well, Sonny immediately starts a plan where he starts to sponsor camps and get in touch with, you know, 
whatever the kids are doing, because he knows that youth is where to find the talent. And who does he stumble upon but a young Kobe Bryant? And he knows Kobe's father because Kobe's father was an NBA player. And so Sonny talks to Adidas and says, I want you to get me an apartment in New York. Now, I'm going to pause here. Folks, if you want to talk about, you know, salespeople in the context of, oh, this person does something negative or they, they sold me, they swindled me, they sold me snake oil. You can do that if you want. What I'm about to describe to you is where real sales comes into play, meaning Sonny Vaccaro was a master and is a master of relationships. So he convinces Adidas to set him up in an apartment in New York City. Why New York City? Because Kobe Bryant was playing basketball at the high school level in Philadelphia. And New York was a short trip to Philadelphia. And so Sonny, over the next couple of years, cultivates this relationship with the Bryants, constantly talking to the parents. Gee, I wonder where Sonny got that idea to cultivate the relationship with the parents. I wonder if the Jordan conversation influenced that. Keeps talking to the parents. And eventually... When the time comes for Mr. Bryant to sign his sneaker deal, Adidas snaps him up. Nike doesn't even get a chance at Kobe. Nike doesn't even whiff Kobe. Kobe immediately comes into the league with an Adidas shoe. And Kobe Bryant is now the face of Adidas for the Adidas company. I think that's amazing. I think that's fantastic. Well, it tells you that Nike didn't understand what Vaccaro uh, was doing right when they landed Jordan. I think they they drummed it up to luck and uh, being smarter than everybody else. They probably made up a lot a lot of reasons why they landed Jordan. But you're right, his cultivating of that relationship with mom um, is a huge part of that. And then he does it again, and nobody realizes what he's doing because they had zero appreciation for building that relationship. That, that, that's and for the for the camps and, and and the fact that and out of his own mouth you can watch this on YouTube. Sonny talks about that this with Rich Eisen. He touches on it with Colin Coward. Sonny himself, when he's interviewed, talks about his God-given gift to spot spot talent, to spot a winner. He talks about the fact that the movie calls out that he's watching Michael Jordan and he's assessing Michael Jordan that he is so calm in this big moment it, when it was UNC Georgetown. And so he puts this gift to work and he signs Kobe Bryant, but he's not done. Then Sonny goes on to continue with camps and all that good stuff. And once again, very similar to how UNC kind of talks about Michael Jordan. You know, if you go back and you hear Roy Williams, who was then an assistant for Dean Smith, you know, Michael Jordan, we had heard from the, you know, superintendent of schools at this, in this County, that there was a kid you might want to look at, think he's got a chance he came to the camp. They thought he was pretty good. Michael Jordan was at the camp for two weeks. They thought he was the best player in America, right? But back then, not as much of a far-reaching, no social media to speak of. Internet isn't as widespread. So back then, Sonny had to hoof it. He had to go to all these camps. He had to go there and, and figure it out. So now Adidas has woken up the beast, right? Now George Ravelin and Phil Knight are like, we've got to make sure we get the next athlete. But they don't. In fact, well, well, hold on, Tom. You're saying athlete. 
Jordan plus Kobe equals arguably two of the top three players in that sport of all time. And in Jordan's case, and I would even give Kobe this, top 10 athletes of any sport. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, so you're right. He wasn't just finding talented players, but he was finding these almost like you hear about technology people when they say, hey, I'm going to make a bet that this is the next thing people really need. You know, when they when they develop stuff like Apple or Windows, Sonny Vaccaro was a pioneer in making these big bets. He watched Kobe Bryant play and said, that's going to be the next one. And I'm going to make a bet. And they they kind of tease you with this in the film because they show Sonny betting in Las Vegas. And Sonny talks about it. More than 10 10 bucks. Yeah. And not for a small amount of money. I don't think Sonny ever shied away from a bet he thought he could win. I think that he relished the idea that I'm going to bet on my talent. I bet this kid is going to be the next, you know, icon to go up there next to 23. And so he signs Kobe. Well, Adidas can't be done because they're still Nike at this point. We're talking about, this is the late 1990s. You know, Nike still has Air Jordans and they are still churning through a ridiculous amount of money. And Adidas wants some more of the market share. So Sonny continues with his camps and he sees a young man playing and immediately identifies him as one of the next greats. This person wasn't the same level as a Kobe or a Jordan, but Tracy McGrady, a lot of people would say was a better than average basketball player. A He's lot a of people. Famer. Is a Hall of Famer, played several years for the Orlando Magic, made an indelible mark on the league, was great two-way player, had a great jump shot, and a great mid-range game, of which, by the way, I would argue the current NBA doesn't have a lot of. Immediately meets Sonny, and it's not an easy relationship. You know, Sonny is this effervescent, very compassionate, overflowingly outgoing person. Tracy McGrady takes one look and he's like, what's your deal? Like very put off at first. And again, master of relationships. Sonny builds a relationship with him and the T-Max shoe is born. So now Adidas has two. And I thought this was amazing. Now Nike is really pissed. (laughs) So now they're, you know, now they're like, okay, we, we have to get the next one. Once again, Sonny beats everyone else. Sees a high school game in Cleveland, Ohio. We all know the name I'm about to share. It's LeBron. He watches LeBron James play basketball for five or ten minutes and stops the game because he doesn't want any <laughs> – like 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 a miner who just discovered a vein of gold. He wants to cover it up. Don't everybody – you know, he wants to keep everybody else from seeing this fine. The, the show's oh, over, kids. Right, right, exactly. Everybody get out of here. Make sure no one has a camera. And he starts immediately cultivating a relationship with LeBron James. What's my evidence that he was about to sign LeBron James? Well, according to, to the ESPN documentary Soul Man, he flew the James family to a beach house. He was ready. He had counseled them. Do not accept anything less than $100 million and X you know, percentage of the shoe, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sonny gets ready to present the deal, and Adidas had reduced the amount at the last moment, the way Sonny describes it at the last moment. When Peter was interviewed, he said, look, it just didn't make sense at the time. There were a lot of reasons. And the way Sonny said it, he goes, look, you can put whatever you want on the Christmas tree. 
but the Christmas tree is a hundred million dollars. And so what happens? Nike swoops in and signs LeBron James to a $90 million deal, almost perfectly at the number that Sonny calls out. And at that point, not long after that, Sonny kind of packs it up and, and, and folds up the tent. But the story is not over. And this is where I think, again, the life of this person is so amazing. Fast forward to a few years. Many people may or may not remember this name, Ed O'Bannon. Basketball player. If you follow basketball, you know Ed O'Bannon. If you follow basketball, you remember Ed O'Bannon. Played in one of the middle 90s uh, UCLA teams and was a standout college player. Was a decent NBA player. Um, I don't think he was on a championship team, but was a very serviceable NBA player and a starter for a number of years. Ed O'Bannon is somehow comes in contact with a video game. And the video game doesn't have his name from college, but it does have an, a visage or a likeness of him. And it looks a lot like Ed O'Bannon. In fact, it's really hard with the new modern graphics to not call that Ed O'Bannon. And Ed O'Bannon's like, huh, my picture, and I'm not getting paid for that. Ed O'Bannon and Sonny team up. At this point, Sonny's living on the West Coast. And Ed O'Bannon and Sonny Vaccaro wind up pushing for, along with other athletes, certainly this wasn't the only one, but Sonny becomes a passionate advocate. And eventually we have what we have today, which is the NIL money, name, imitation, likeness, that is sweeping college sports today and was a revolutionary Supreme Court ruling to say, like, look, if you're going to use their name, you're going to use their likeness, you got to pay them the money. And so that was a landmark ruling that Sonny Vaccaro was a part of. Um, today, I think, you know, Sonny's retired. But again, he had a relationship with Ed O'Bannon. And as a result of advocating for him and being that master relationship, Sonny got that that new deal, helped get that new deal across the finish line. So remarkable person, remarkable situation, and remarkable uh, history. Did, did I get that right? NIL money is a name, imitation, and likeness? Name, image, likeness. Image and likeness. I'm sorry. For yeah, those fans listening at home that are more hardcore sports, and I don't consider myself a hardcore sports fan. I, I, I work a lot, but I love sports history. I love sports history more than anything else. When ESPN Classic had the Sports Century Classic, I think I taped 90% of them on VHS back in the day. <laughs> and and this story just stuck out to me as such an awesome, you know, story of of, of cultivating relationships and persistence. So that's uh that's Sonny Vaccaro in a in a nutshell. So Tom, as we were going through this, a uh, few things popped in my head. One, Jordan arguably was uh meaningfully impacted by his experience against the Pistons. They had the Jordan rules, which meant they were just going to beat the crap out of him. If anytime right. he got within 15 feet of the basket, they were going to knock him down. That's right. And, and there's some uh, things on social media now. They, they'll show LeBron getting fouled, and he flops, and he acts like he's horribly injured. Yep. And then a much tougher play happens to Jordan, and Jordan doesn't even react. He just keeps playing. Um, and so I would argue that without the Pistons and other hard-knock teams like the Pacers – Back in those days, mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're, not, you're not winning the next. You're not going to – yeah, with Oakley. Uh, Oakley, with, Ewing, Starks, yep. Yeah, 
really three really tough teams. You couldn't find another team like that in the West. Those, no. those are the three toughest teams in the league. That's right. Uh, I, I think without the rough and tumble East, I don't know that Jordan wins six. I really don't. I think he probably wins two or three. We'll never know. We'll never I, know. But uh, that gauntlet is a big part of him winning six. six I, I would I, argue. I think it. I think it is. I think there's some other pieces to that too, right? And so one, I think. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. Here's here's where I think Jordan is such an incredible champion and the history is, is so incredible. To be that good at something and to say, well, look, I'm not getting the outcome that I want. Like two years in a row, I got my head handed to me and I'm tired of receiving pain. I want to administer pain. So to go and put basically 15 to 20 pounds of rip on your body at or age pure, pure muscle 28 right how, how many people do you know that you can go out to at age 28 and say put on 15 pounds of pure muscle continue to play this sport at the highest level just put on more muscle so that when you're flying through the lane you can actually absorb contact and still make a shot because that's and dish it out and, and and absolutely dish it out on the defensive end I think that was a key piece. I think um, I, I think that the addition of Horace Grant and the addition of Cartwright, even though they, they, they thought they were ready to win in 1990, their maturity, and they, they, the last dance talks about this, and I think it's so important. One of the things that Piston team did was they got in your kitchen. In other words, they would get you so angry at them that you forgot about the game. And they were really great at that. And they, there's there's video clips of Lambeer talking to Isaiah Thomas and saying, I am so in Mikhail's, you know, you know, in Mikhail's head right now, or I'm so in his kitchen or whatever the, 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 the slang was at the time. And the last dance calls out that Scotty got hit in the air and it was a bad foul. Totally would be a flagrant today. And Scotty just sits there and collects himself, gets up, shoots his two foul shots, and rolls on. And and John Sally is being interviewed and says, when they didn't react to that, we you know we knew it was over. Yeah, we knew that this this wasn't this wasn't good for us. They had reached a level of mental toughness that uh, the Pistons' rough and tumble ways weren't going to do anything with. That's right. That's exactly right. But an- another obvious point here is: imagine if Adidas comes up with a hundred million. Look, th- there are generational talents in each generation of basketball fans, like guys that are significantly older than me, guys that are say in their sixties, maybe early seventies would say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is the best basketball player of all time. Absolutely. Or Bill Russell. Or Bill Russell. Uh, or Wilt. Uh, they'd give Wilt the hundred point game. I don't know that Wilt did much else besides dunk on guys seven inches shorter than him. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and Wilt, because of that, also had a lot of rebounds. That's right. But, but Kareem, Bill Russell uh, steps in the conversation. If you're around my age, too, I would say your age, Jordan's the guy. Then right. a generation after that, they would say Kobe. And then a half generation after that, they would say LeBron. That's right. And I um, and LeBron's still the king. He's still playing. But if, if Sonny gets Adidas to make that deal, mm-hmm. a K- Kareem and, and folks older than me aside – He's got the top three guys. That's right. That's the top exactly guys right. for each generation. That's right. And and there wasn't even 
there was no sneaker technology to speak of in the Bill Russell when Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell leaving the league, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kind of, you know, entering the league. It wasn't even a, a thing. So it wasn't even available. But that's right. Like if Adidas makes that deal, the landscape, you have to wonder how it changes. Now, Nike still has Jordan, right? And they still have the Air Jordan line. They still have lots of players in their stable because of Jordan, right? But do I think that Adidas at that point has a basketball handle that now – go like that's 2002, 2003, right? Fast forward 20 years, you know, LeBron has won some championships for three different teams. Think about that from a product perspective, right? Think about all the colors. Think about all the other players that wind up getting signed by Adidas like Chris Bosh, Dwayne Wade, uh, Kevin Love, like, you know, I, I, Kyrie Irving, like all of these players that are, for, for good or for bad, are on the tips of our tongue come April, May, and June in the world of NBA basketball today, right? Yeah. Um, and look at the reach that it has, you know. Uh, I, I think it's absolutely fantastic and amazing. And so I, what, what I'll say is, it's part of a summation here. Sonny was the only guy going to middle school, JV, varsity, right. high school basketball games. There was nobody else in the gym that was doing what he was doing for, for years, as I understand it. Well, well, even before that, he was paying coaches to sponsor, to, to have their kids wear the sneakers. Right. And people so were moderately uncomfortable with that, right? But oh, even, yeah. even Jim Beheim stood out and said on Soul Man and says, hey, look, there were sometimes sneaker money was more than your salary <laughs> because this is before all the TV contract, you know, college basketball was very regional. Yeah. You know, so it was a different, a different world. Yeah. And so uh, he, he was innovating and I don't know that Sonny thought of it as innovating, but he knew how to get the result. And so you're, you're right. He was, he was having Nike or whoever sponsor Duke or Kentucky, or Connecticut. Then he, then he's at, and I, I imagine at the same time, I don't know his history as well as you do, he's he's checking out talent before anybody. I mean, the shutdown of the LeBron thing, that that's, I mean, that wasn't that long ago. No, right? it was not. And, and there's a scene in the film, Air, and thank you, Paul, for bringing this full circle. He, here is my, my favorite scene in the film. And People are going to kind of, there's a, there's a monologue that Damon shares where he's looking at Michael, you know, Michael Jordan of, 1984 and he's pouring his heart out right about everything that Michael Jordan is going to be. And that's why he must demand this kind of a deal, right? Which is really well-written, very well done. Incidentally, the film is co-produced by John Weinbach, who also was one of the producers on soul man, the ESPN 30 for 30. So well done, you know, production company and directors for getting Weinbach on both, you know, both projects. Having said that, here's my favorite part of the, of, of the film. After all is said and done um, in the film, the actor playing Falk calls up Matt Damon playing Sonny Vaccaro. And it, he's kind of like, yeah, nobody else was going to do what you guys did in terms of giving Michael a percentage of the shoe sales. And Sonny's like, yeah, I didn't think we were going to do it, you know, but we did. And so I'm glad we did. And they're kind of, they're kind of doing what deal makers do. 
they're going through and they're diagnosing what got this thing past the finish line, what pushed the decision to this place, right? And this is what people, people write books about it, right? About what makes people make decisions the way they do. And Falk Falk says to Sonny in the film, you know, what do you think about Patrick Ewing? And, the, you know, Sonny says on the film, Patrick Ewing moved when he was 13 years old to this part of, you know, Massachusetts and, you know, was the only kid from, from this island in the Caribbean. And I don't remember all the history of, of Patrick Ewing, and I should. I'm a Knicks fan. But the, the point was Patrick Ewing was a standout for the Hoyas at Georgetown. And at the end of that, Sonny says, Patrick Ewing should absolutely be playing basketball in a set of Nikes. To your point, Sonny's ability to understand someone's story, which is a huge part of relationships, is an amazing part of his talent because that story plus how somebody plays, I think, created a tapestry for him that allowed him to see a little bit into someone's future. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, Shoe deals with college coaches and teams all the way to being on the precipice of NIL becoming a real thing that that got kids paid. That's right. Yeah, I, I was just talking to a, uh, a buddy of mine. He's a high school position coach uh, in the Richmond metro area, and he coached a kid that's playing D1 in one of the big conferences, and that kid, and I'm, I'm speaking in fairly general terms, is a millionaire now. He's 20 years old. He, wow. Sonny plus Ed O'Bannon plus all the other folks that have worked hard – to do what a lot of people thought was the right thing anyway. It, the, those athletes and those teams, especially in the big conferences, are making a ton of money for the schools. I think it's okay to share some of that money. It, not only do I agree with that, but I, I think that one of the things that we as a society get uncomfortable with is the fact that they're drafting these kids. They're looking at their talent at age 11, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. But I hate to say it, that's the reality. Right. Like that. It, it OK, th th then if you're upset about that, my retort to that is then why do you have the kid playing? Like there's a point at which do you build a Corvette not to slam the accelerator at some point? And I yeah. think that I think that what's happened is there's a little bit of uh, sacred cowism in college and high school sports that, hey, we don't want business to get to these kids. Well, here's the other side of that. How many athletes at a very young age sign mega contracts, have endorsement deals, or on the cover of video games, squander their money because they weren't exposed to the business side of things. They weren't prepared for these items. And now they're 40-year-olds who need to go work a job, even though they had what to you and me would be life-changing money that would end our careers and put us in retirement for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So, yeah. By the way, by the way, if you have trouble with kids getting exposed to that at a young age, stop putting them in twelve month, uh, twelve months of one sport every year until they either make the league, get a four year scholarship, or can't stand the sport anymore because they played it too much. If, if you're if you're that worried about that as a society, maybe the parents should uh, try to create an experience that's a lot more diverse than. I hope my kid gets this one in a million shot. Well, that's right. And it puts, and, and, and look, I don't disagree with the argument about it's too much pressure. It's too much pressure. 
then to your point, like at some point, you know, parents, I think parents have to d- diversify themselves. I was like that. So, you know, in high school, all I could see was, I want to be a lawyer. 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 I get to the last two years of college and I discover that, Hey, I really like sales. I really like business. I love this idea that, you know, we get this item in the store and there's all these thoughts that go into what, how we're going to price this item and fast forward. And that's what I've done with my life. Right. I, I, I wish I had not had that tunnel vision and someone had kind of shaken me out of that. Not because it wasn't my dream, but it's a tough subject, right? You don't want to kill a kid's dream, but you also want to tell them to be prepared in case it doesn't work out. Yeah, I mean, uh, hey, go get a breadth of experience. Go fail across a few different things in your 20s, and that prepares you for your 30s, 40s, and beyond. That's that's exactly right. And, And funny enough, like Michael Jordan, the story of Michael Jordan is like, yeah, I think I've done pretty well at this basketball gig. I'm going to try baseball. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like for him, it was like, I'm not going to just assume I can't. He got, he got so good at one sport. He had to move on to another. Yeah. That's Yeah. A, a problem. I wish that uh, more of us had, but I think that's once in a lifetime type of stuff. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Tom, thanks uh, for doing this. This is the inaugural working title into basements. I think I'm going to uh, work your name into it just because I, I love your last name. It's, it's more an attention getter than into basements. <laughs> Thank you for having me. This was a ton of fun, Paul. Cool, man. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd also really appreciate if you'd rate and review us. You can find us at scodopodcast.com.